0: So welcome back again. We have a, just a quick and very fascinating discussion with author, pastor, and teacher, Eric John Phelps. And of course, the beginning of the recording, I messaged him that I was getting ready and uh, we were 30 minutes out and I would call him. And uh, at 30 minutes, at the 30 minutes point, if you know anything about Eric John Phelps, he doesn't like to be late or delayed. So he called me. And of course, I was still in the process of trying to make sure all my audio devices are going to work properly i don't have a studio i just have a series of different devices i try to see which ones work the best together at any given time which ones sound the best and don't have any feedback so in the beginning of our conversation the audio is a little bit muffled and jumbled there and i apologize for that but if you just give it a chance and you just work with us here as we were engineering the ship at mid-flight we were able to get a good a good sound where. He was able to hear me and we weren't having any feedback. So once again, I just want to appreciate you for coming back again. And I hope you will come and check out our new sponsor, a courageous and brave sponsor, much much like a, our other sponsor. Now we have two, right? Wendy's limited.com. Very brave. But there's another sponsor as well. And it's Hobbies.com. So it's Colossus Hobbies, games, and gifts. And I think if you take a look, Colossus Hobbies, toys, games, gifts, and sports and looks like camping equipment, all all kinds of stuff. And they're a growing company and they're up and coming and they are an America first, pro-American, pro-patriot company. And I hope you will check them out. And I think they're going to be including only things in there that are healthy for America and American recreation and America pastime and American leisure time, if you want. So once again, that's ColossusHobbies.com. So yeah, Eric John Phelps is a busy man, and he has a very fascinating point of view. And I'd like to go over just having caught his discussions early on and having learned a lot of the perspective and the early American viewpoint that is lost in today's modern contemporary period. People don't understand uh, the dynamics of history, right? Because my device is working there in the background. But yeah, the, a lot of these um, dynamics that led up to America's revolutionary and literally inspired Genesis and the beginning point, the origin story of American liberty and freedom and jurisprudence has really got to go and be placed in the, the historical struggle for people to have their King James Version Bible in particular and to have a land that would be conducive to having political liberty and democratic popular government so that people could choose to have religious tolerance and freedom. They could have their own edict of Nance for themselves rather than relying on some king somewhere to have a heart, right? So we're not gonna wait for the World Economic Forum or for the power structure to have a heart. We're gonna go and do what's best for us now. And as we're going forward, we don't really get paid for it, but you know, we'll just do a little extra sponsorship for the turmeric iodine that comes out of the uh, InfoWars stores. I, mean, I have to admit that it's its truly a, its something that I hadn't really even heard of or put any thought to, but that the the effects of it as far as the health effects and the high-quality content that comes with the atomic iodine is something that's, that's spectacular, yeah. so it's something that we're using. We find to be medicinal and healthy for us to do so. And it's good for cleaning out your uh, your liver and your your thyroid and all, all kinds of other things. So it just gets deep, deep into those systems. It helps to clean out parts of your body that uh, are otherwise not able to be cleaned out, right? So they get high marks for that over there at the War Store. So give them credit for that. And I hope that we are able to do more interviews with Eric John Phelps in the future. And we were in the process of having a gentleman's debt over the. The literature and the, com- the compilation of the history regarding the fact that Martin Luther, the historical the figure of Martin Luther, who was central in kicking off the Protestant Reformation, was never an anti-Semite, or never, in a, never did he dislike Jews any kind of way, nor did he write the falsified and forgery on the Jews and their lives. Of course, it was written in his name after he died. And it was obviously a forgery and doesn't comport with any of his own beliefs or writings or doctrinal positions on theology, but it tries to make Martin Luther appear to be some kind of anti-Semitic hater of the Jews, which couldn't be farther from the truth. And of course, it was a piece of propaganda that was utilized by the Third Reich and by Goebbels and them to try to take and influence the Lutherans at the time, the Lutheran Church, and to convince them that even... Even Martin Luther had a problem with those perfidious Jews, as, as they like to say. But of course, that, that anti-Semitism and that particular rubric was, of course, a forgery, as we've said many times. And that Martin Luther never wrote such a horrible book. And the only people who were really capable of producing such a well-crafted and hateful ideological weapon, poised and aimed at the heart of the Jewish people on a historical scale, right, the only people capable of, of actually executing such a forgery as we said would be of course the jesuits and the society of jesus because they have such a, a track record and a historical legacy of being contemptuous and violently opposed to the jewish race so when we go to look and see where the roots of anti-semitism are coming from we can look over to the vatican and see that so without further ado i will not keep on prattling on we can listen to the discussion with Eric John Phelps. And of course, because of my negligence on my part, the beginning audio for a few minutes is a little bit garbly and that is my fault. So, once again, thank you for returning to, to the discussion forum and I hope you find this conversation to be enlightening. Alright, so that's good. I'm glad you, um, you're getting around and you're um, at least able to. Uh, it looks like my equipment is up and running here, so I was just about to call you when you called. very good. Um, yeah, w- welcome back to um we, we've been on our little show before on Looking Glass Forum and we've had uh you know, opportunities to, to speak many times. And it's just there's so much going on in America right now and I just it was a uh, it was a good time to get with you and to have a chance to talk um about your your perspective on how you see things kind of unfolding here in America and um and uh, yeah, what, what are you, from your point of view, there's so much going on. I really, I prepared a little bit, but not too much. Cause I just wanted to see what your point of view would be, but it's an election year. They definitely have been trying to, or, you know, from uh, what, you know, uh, uh, ostensibly from our point of view, it appears that the, the DOJ is desperately trying to put the man away and, and, uh, put it, get him in trouble where he can't be at the president. And of course, it's just kind of creating a populist, uh, backlash and a resurgence in his favor, so um, among many other things, what, what's your point of view with the, the landscape of American politics today?
1: Well, first of all, Sean, it's nice to be on your program again. Thank you for having me. Um, secondly, as I've said years, the Jesuit Order runs. Anybody who denies that doesn't know what you're talking they run through their secret societies, the Masonic secret societies, some 800 of them. But the brains, power, the ones who have conquered the world are the Jesuits, our Jesuits, our army, which is the military order of the society of Jesus. That's who rules. <laughs> What's the purpose of the Jesuit order? Well, it was founded to fight and death in the Reformation according to Thomas Sherman with the son of that savage Yankee general William Thompson and uh, Thomas Sherman was Jesuit and uh, he said the purpose of the order and we can know from other documents is that they wanted to destroy the Reformation now in destroying the Reformation we have to talk about race I know it's difficult to talk about race especially if you're a white man. But I do, and I do it all the time. The men that the Lord used to bring the world out of the dark are white. They spoke English, Dutch, and German. And the Lord used to put his word into those languages to then take the gospel to the ends of the earth. The Lord has chosen to save his elect by preaching translations is preserved, except Greek text is even measured. So, most uh, advanced languages, other than Greek, which is the most definitive language ever written, God chose to put the record of his son in, are the languages of English and German and Dutch. So, those nations, particularly England, and then the Netherlands, and then Germany, here, Prussia, and then ultimately America, became the most powerful nations in the world. We were the great inventors. We invented all your modern conveniences. The Catholics didn't do it. The blacks didn't do it of Africa. The Asians didn't do it of Asia. The Hispanics didn't do it of Central and South America. We did it. It's unique to us. And so, therefore, we are the ones who got the Bible in the hands of the common man, as we intend to want it. So that the plowboy would know more of God than the priest. So, with the Bible in the hands of the common man, and then being taken to the ends of the earth by the British uh, uh, fleets and so on, and the American fleets, and the Dutch fleets, and the Germans, we have the birth of what's called Western civilization. Western civilization started in 1648. Any secular Historian will tell you that.
0: Go ahead. No, I'm sorry. I'm just, um, I'm just kind of working here in the background, trying to get all my equipment to uh, work properly. But no, you carry on. No.
1: Okay. So in 1648, we have the end of the Thirty Years' War. The Thirty Years' War began in 1618, and the one who started it was Ferdinand II, the hateful, bigoted. Roman Catholic,
0: a Jesuit who became the head of the campus. And uh, are we good? Yeah, we're still carrying. I'm on. Right?
1: L- I'm getting
0: a little reverb. Okay, we I mean, don't need to take that off. That's not that that particular uh, audio device is not working well. But yeah, no, I carry on. I, I'm I'm definitely interested in getting to this where you're where in the direction where you're going, where you're moving towards the the Congress of Vienna and the Holy Alliance. So yeah, no, go
1: ahead a third of the German people were killed in that horrible Thirty Years' War. The target was all the German Lutherans, and the target was to destroy Prussia, which was the most advanced nation on the continent, because it was white and Protestant, and read the Luther Bible, wherever the Luther Bible went, they always prospered the Lutheran Church prospered. They once preached the gospel. So the Jesuits sought to destroy the Lutheran Church in Germany and surrounding countries, Scandinavia, Sweden, you name it. And, uh, <clears throat> but they did not succeed. And so with the rise of 1648, you have two key treaties. The first treaty is the Treaty of Westphalia. Which by the way, the Nazis, in particular Roman Catholic globals, wanted to undo the border settlements of that Treaty of Westphalia. So the Treaty of Westphalia had to do with Germany and the Treaty of Munster had to do with the Dutch, because they had just finished an 80-year civil war fighting the savage Spanish. And you can read all about their savagery, their cruelty. In a titled the three volume set titledTheduction Public by John Los
0: These particular uh, wars are fundamentally religious wars Absolutely. between the right of people to practice and observe you know the because these the Bible is coming out now almost as a new discovery for civilization because the whole dark ages was a response to basically not having any kind of biblical scriptural insight, and when the people are starting to get the the Bible. It's starting to have these reverberations and, and consequences all throughout society. And then, of course, the papacy is trying to retain its sole, uh, you know, proclaimed religious right to rule over um, over the people's consciousness and over their minds regarding religious matters. And so that w- that's what led to war, basically.
1: As well as their government, because you just talked about the spiritual power of the Pope. It's symbolized by the golden key on the Pope's flag, his yellow and white flag. That's the spiritual power that every human creature to be subject to the Pope of Rome. That's the bull Unum Sanctum of 1302. The other key is the silver key. And the silver key is the Pope's right to rule the governments of all nations. That's the doctrine of the temporal power. It was given to him by a bloody murderer named Pepin the Great, who was the father. Charlemagne. So what we have here in 1648, that's my clock, in 1648 we have the breaking of the Pope's political power over the Netherlands. And so the Dutch, Protestant Dutch, the Reformed Dutch, once they now had a free country where they did not have to do what the Pope told them to do nor the Holy Roman Emperor, because the Holy Roman Emperor was the dictator of the Pope over all the nations of Europe for a thousand years, for the, during the Dark Ages. It really begins from 606, when the Pope is given his spiritual power by Boniface. Boniface is given spiritual power by, by Focus, a bloody murderer in Constantinople. And then it lasts till 1648, so it's a little over a thousand years, you have the Dark Ages, of papal rule over Europe. And the classic work on this to read is Dowling's great work, The History of Romanism, written in 1845, John Dowling. And so 1648 means that now we have freedom of conscience, freedom of speech, freedom of the press. It starts to spread. We have the Bible in the hands of the common man. It's starting to be printed. And remember, the Bible is the most printed book in world history, particularly the King James Bible. And so it's being spread to the ends of the earth through the merchant devices of the Dutch. The four great shipping nations were the Dutch, the English, the Spanish, and the Portuguese. To Catholic, to Protestant. And so they took the Bible wherever they went. And that spread the gospel, and the Lord was saving his elect according to this plan. So the Jesuits were started in 1534. And they were formally brought into the Roman papacy in 1540. Paul Third, Pope Paul III, and made the Jesuits part of it. Because the purpose of the Jesuits was twofold. It was to take Jerusalem from the Muslims. And it was to destroy the Reformation and bring all the nations back to the spiritual and the temporal power of the Pope. That's their twofold purpose. So.
0: So, just to kind of point out that this that first point that you make that is, is talked about less is that they had this kind of mission and in, in, in centered in their mission statement was this desire to go and liberate the, the Holy land or, or the area of Judea and Jerusalem from the Saracens and the Muslims. And of course, according to history, um, Ignatius Loyola was, was uh, in his lifetime traveling to that area and had a terrible time. And of course, tried to make a pilgrimage, so this idea of opening up these avenues and these lanes of, of of passage, so that these individuals could make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem to the Holy Land, was central in their in their uh, founding uh, doctrines. But also, it's an extension too from the past of the the original founding ethos of the Templar Knights was to do exactly that, which is to to maintain and protect pilgrims coming into the Holy Land.
1: So absolutely.
0: So the that Jesuit. was kind of a return to that, the Jesuits are founded in a return to the past to in a, in a conservative way of, of restoring where the Knights Templar had kind of lost. Well, they, kind
1: of getting rid of the words conservative, it's really not right. that. It's, it's just the restoration of the Knights Templars under another name. The Jesuit orders are the Knights Templars revived, except a thousand times more deadly. Because they have that much more power than the Templars have. So remember, Loyola was a Spanish Aragon Templar. and he was no Jew. So he was a Basque.
0: He was a Basque. So it's he was very Spanish. specific, yeah. And
1: it's, these ridiculous patriots are trying to tell everybody that Loyola was a Jew. There was no Jew. There were there were Jews in the order until they were all kicked out in fifteen ninety three. Uh, with a particular,
0: blood. The stat- blood laws are. That's right, in their
1: constitution, they kicked all the Jews out. What Jews were there? They kicked them out in 1593 because the Jesuits wage war against the Jews whenever they can. Right. And they will use Jews to further their purposes, like Henry Kissinger and others. But they are waging war against the Jews. They're the ones behind them, the entire Third Reich. Full SS was patterned after the Jesuit order. Edmund Paris said that Heinrich Himmler's uncle, was a Jesuit priest, okay. So Himmler was advised by Jesuits. His whole purpose was not only the extirpation of the Jews out of Europe, for the purpose of driving them back to to Israel to start the revived Latin Kingdom of Jerusalem, which happened in 1948. But his purpose was also to destroy the Reformation. And that's why they killed so many German Lutherans. That's why they killed so many Dutch Reformed, English Anglicans, it was. We never hear about the killing of the Protestants during World War One, World War Two, which I call in my book the Second Thirty Years
0: War. I mean, that particular doctrinal violence that we're seeing there is coming out of like an ultra-montane, old order line of thinking that goes back to like we were saying the Congress of Vienna and the Holy Alliance. I look at that. Yeah, look at Himmler and Hitler as like an extension of that of those kind of anathemas and those. Uh, treaties and those alliances from uh, the the secret treaty of Verona in 1822 on, they had like an unspoken, uh, you know, kind of unwritten, they they swore a a perpetual oath to go ahead and uh, and destroy national governments, especially America and popular government everywhere in the world.
1: That's right. America was the greatest government ever founded in world history. You'll never find a group of men ever sitting, ever putting together a government great as these men there were only nine freemasons who signed the Declaration of independence so don't anybody tell you it's a masonic doctrine the man who pushed it primarily was the great john witherspoon the president of princeton Princeton college so princeton is the one uh, witherspoon is the one who stood up and called for the signing of it in 1776 so it
0: is a protestant calvinistic doctrine yeah, I don't, I don't look at the lodges at, at that at that period of time in the 70, you know seventeen seventies. I don't look at the lodges in America as particularly illuminized or connected to the the Grand Lodges or the, the big the great architecture of, of Illuminati control structure that really characterized the dangerous, you know, Freemason uh, you know, higher or higher degrees of Freemason that would come, uh, Freemasonry that would come later on. But these earlier lodges were probably just Simple guild halls probably not what people imagine to be the uh, the new world. The halls of New World Order power. So it wasn't
1: right. George Washington said American Freemasonry was not penetrated by the Illuminati. Right, his letters. So Finney puts it in his great work on Freemasonry. Where Charles Finney was probably the greatest evangelist in America, the last during the last half of the nineteenth century. He had been a Freemason, he was saved, and he writes his great book on Freemasonry. And he quotes George Washington, who said, the lodges in this country have not been penetrated by the Illuminati. And furthermore, without the low-level Blue Lodge Freemasonry, the American Revolution would not have succeeded. So that's why the Jesuits destroyed it, called for its destruction, and then they brought in as many as they could. Pardon me, the cats in the heat. Uh, that's all right. all right. Go ahead. It's uh, my son's cat. <clears throat> anyway, they, uh, they, uh, that's what George Washington said. And, of course, you have many of the leading generals. They were low-level Freemasons, but they were nationalists. They were patriots. They were not sellouts. Okay? Right. George Washington was a third-degree Freemason. But he said, he said according to Finney, that he went into a Masonic lodge but once or twice in the last 30 years of his life.
0: Right. That sounds about right. That. And furthermore, according to
1: William P. Grady in his great work uh, How America, the devil turned America against God, he shows you in there that George Washington was baptized in the Hudson River in 1783 by his favorite preacher, the great Baptist Calvinist John Gano, uh, major, engineer, Cal, I think he was a major, and he baptized him, and George Washington gave his battle sword to John Gano. And that's on display at Jewell College in, uh, in Missouri. So, George Washington was no leading Freemason. He was just a low-level Freemason that didn't go into the lodge once or twice in the last 30 years because God was using him to set up an historically white, Protestant, and Baptist nation founded on the Reformation Bible, which is the King James A.V. 1611 in its present edition of 1769 before the American Revolution Bible. That was the Bible of the country. That was the book of the country. That's why Andrew Jackson said, Sir... That book is the bedrock upon which this republic rests. So the Jesuits know this. So their purpose in destroying the Protestant Reformation through wars, subversion, assassination, one of their key purposes was to get the King James Bible out of the hands of the Protestant and the Baptist churches, which they have successfully done by 1960. Right. So, the vast majority of churches are apostate. They have departed from the Reformation Bible, the Word of God, and they're all incorporated for the most part or their 501c3s. Very few are 508c1a like mine is. So, as a result, the Jesuits have conquered the the very enemies that defeated them in the past. As goes the church, so goes the government. As goes the morality of the people, so goes the increase of the national judgment because God always judges nations based upon its morality. That's why Catholic nations are all poor. You don't find any wealthy Catholic nations unless they got it given to them by a Protestant
0: nation. So, <clears throat> I mean, Protestant, so I to... the, the idea of Protestant nations or, or separate nations or nations who, who will have a, a religious distinction that's their own and not determined by the, by the, you know, Vatican Christendom universal religious system that, that kind of preceded this idea of like separate nations and we have this the success of a democratic republic a, a popular constitutional democracy in America so that the people you know who are going to ultimately be a bible believing people are going to be founding the this greatest nation in history in world history and now you can see today that we're kind of taking this terrible turn. And uh, I, I just, I, I wonder over the course of time, because we we were talking about the, the civil war ultimately, when we approach this point where the Congress of Vienna in 1815 is going to kind of begin this beginning, the starting point. And then I like to point out that the, the secret treaty of Rona in 1822 is the same point in history when the British decide to end slavery. And if if america it's the very British strange end, to me because yeah, in eighteen twenty two they officially do it, and it's interesting to me because America's founding sin original sin is 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 kind of embracing slavery in its no, borders
1: no, there's, no, there's no slavery is not a sin. you show me anywhere in the New Testament or the Old Testament where the institution of slavery is a sin, it's not. Well, I think All there the were East. there
0: were early churches who probably in America who had issues with it as far as...
1: They, well, yes, let, let me finish. They were against the savage uh, Atlantic slave trade. Why, of course, because the Jesuits ran that. And they ran it through their British lords.
0: Well, well I think that br- bringing, bringing it here into America ultimately is going to be this kind of demographic weapon. That, yes. That, that's <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, over the course of time, the the inability to really even the, the disaster of the Civil War and framing it with this whole idea of slavery while the British and the French are kind of going through this secularization and this liberalization period where they're you know, they have they've you know, they've already gone through the process of liber you know freeing their slaves let's say and in America it just leaves America in this this terrible position historically and I think that they used they used the issue of slavery. As a disaster, we need to go back.
1: First of all, in the eighteen twenties, eighteen teens, there's an organization founded called the uh, the American Colonization Society, and you can read about it in Blake's great work, The History of Slavery in the Slave Trade, written in eighteen sixty. It's the classic work written by a white Anglo-Saxon Protestant, honest white man. We learn there that. Francis Scott Key, the writer of our national anthem, was one of the founders of the Colonization Society and was one of the heads of it. And that was about repatriating or sending back American free blacks to Liberia that was purchased by white Protestants from the tribal chiefs in Africa to give the American blacks a home in Africa. And they were gradually being repatriated. And the chapter in, History of Slavery and the Slave Trade by Blake, there's a chapter called Liberia. You gotta read it. You gotta read it. Just that that those fifteen pages for a broadcast. Because it's an appeal by the black leaders, namely Joseph Roberts of Liberia for the American free blacks to come to Liberia. Because you're never gonna have any freedom in America. But he says
0: It is awful for these people who had been you know carried away. And brought to a place where they didn't have any kind of resources or skills uh, to, to be able to withstand, uh, you know, the environment and the elements. And, and so, for them to be repatriated back to the lands where they were brought and carried away from in slavery, would, would be the natural and orderly, and just thing to do. And, and a human, yes. it's like a humanitarian crisis, and you want to get people back where they belong. And you know, and so that's that's a, that goes to my point, Eric, is that initially, if America hadn't you had, had we resisted slavery with the, you know, oh, the,
1: the, interrupt.
0: Okay, we had, on. we right.
1: had, we stopped the slave trade. Right. And Jefferson, what he writes, he has a hand in writing the Declaration of Independence because are five men who wrote that, not just Jefferson.
0: And America's up against the slave trade ultimately.
1: Th- that's right. Because we were against it. And that filthy King of England negated our, our, our desires to end the slave trade in the colonies. Remember the first colony to end the slave trade was Virginia. Right with under Patrick and Henry. So no we' wanted to end it and Jefferson wrote of it correctly He called this this uh, horrible slave trade that's a disgrace by the King of England and, and and he also tells you the reason why they brought the blacks over here was to use them as a weapon to kill us. And Jefferson talks about that in that and because he wanted he put that in there the Georgia Georgia people, the Senate there refused to allow that section to be put in the Decor- Declaration of Independence. But that's a section that Jefferson wanted in there and they would not allow it in there.
0: They would have really addressed this issue early on and now that's it's right. kinda of being festering like a like a boil in American politics and
1: all because of erroneous lying history. Lying history.
0: Revi- revisionist history.
1: Revisionist, which is right. lying history. It's not true history. It's lies.
0: You gotta hear these big corporations. Yeah, these big corporations they're coming out with statements to their are employees that uh, like like Boeing, for instance, where only only people who are who have uh, a light complexion and have less melanin in their skin, right? Who don't have dark skin, you know, people who are European who might be called white, uh, only they can be characterized as racist, and anyone else who might be, have a complexion or brown skin, they they can't be characterized as racist in any kind of way. So, so you can see how the the politics is approaching this this ultimate kind of
1: a yeah, full-fledged attack against the white men, particularly the Protestant Baptists of this country. I remember when that savage, hateful racist Dick Gregory said black people cannot be racist. I remember right. when he said that. What a liar, because the vast majority of them are. The vast majority of blacks in this hate country hate white people. I'm 70 years of age. I've watched it for 60 years. The minority civil blacks are Christian blacks, and they don't hate white people, but the vast majority do. So, as a result of that, they're used as a weapon against us, so that we will not be able to rise against the political tyranny that we have in Washington since March 9, 1933, with the implementation implementation of military emergency war powers, military government. And so, it's a ceaseless, constant attack. I've been kicked out of six banks so far. And I noticed that in every one of these banks they're all pro black, anti white. All the advertisements, black men with a white woman or blacks, and you have, have very few advertisements for white people. So, so,
0: so you're being so, yeah, you're so, being you're being deplatformed. So when you go into the bank, everything's fine, but over the course of time, somewhere somewhere along the way, someone finds out that you have you know, different views and then all of a sudden you have problems and you
1: figure that's, that's what it is. Right. Okay. And they're gonna close it up because of fraud. I just had it as my sixth bank about two weeks ago. So I'm going to have to go to my congressman and see the congressman and see what he can do for me because I haven't committed any fraud at any of my banks. that I've ever been in.
0: Now, so, is this personal banks, or can you, can you have like a business bank account that's more of a generalized one that's not just only in your name and then maybe have better success like that? or I don't know. No, they closed all of them out. Okay.
1: your Bible Trust. Gotcha, gotcha. Closed my LLCs, closed them all out. Because I'm the evil, wicked Eric John Phelps, who has the courage enough to tell the truth about what the Jesuits have done in using the black man against us in this country for the destruction of our country. And when that happens, then we'll have a successful Sino-Soviet-Muslim invasion. And you want to see some real hateful racists? The Chinese hate the American black man. The Russians hate the black man, and the Muslims yeah, it's,
0: hate it's the black how It's how, how, how many parallels there are and how much hypocrisy, because... And these other places you mentioned, people are allowed to be themselves, and they're allowed to look after their own, their own particular, uh, you know, nationality or, or racial heritage, what have you. If you're Chinese, you're expected to, you know, to be really Chinese, and that's that's wonderful. But here in America, or in Russia, you're expected to be, you know, you're expected to be Russian. But here in America, obviously, it's it's you're becoming.
1: So my point being is that yes. Those white people that have historic Protestant and Baptist history are not allowed to be white. They're not allowed to have that history. They're not allowed to repeat it, and if you do, you're hateful and racist, and we're not going to hire you. And that's why the only solution is true repentance and faith, believing the gospel that Christ died for your sins, was buried and rose again, First Corinthians 15, 1-4. Now, now being right with God, be the nationalist that we're supposed to be by advocating a declaration of independence in our county, or our state. That's the only solution. Because the Jesuits want to drive all of us white men together into the new right, as they did in Germany. And this is what I'm deadly against, because if that happens, then we're in for some serious trouble.
0: Yes, it's, it, it is it, it is amazing how to see how this new kind of federal deep state monolithic like, we, you know, they're using the FBI to come like some kind of neo-Gestapo to ultimately the, the reporting is out that the bomb that they found on January 6th was apparently like a, t- a test bomb that the FBI uses in training. And they're, they're, it's coming out that obviously that somebody placed the, the test dummy bomb out in front of the Democrat offices in order to create this this uh, idea that there's yeah the, the illusion of white homegrown terrorism. And they did it themselves. And, and so all that is coming out. And it's, of course, too late. Because they already set into stone kind of their, their plan here. And you can see that we're moving towards roundups. And it doesn't, it doesn't you know make me feel better that Trump will come in here and start the roundups where he has to now remove 50 million people from our populace who aren't supposed to be here. That seems like a good starting point for a lot of what you're talking about here to
1: begin. Oh, of course. But, but remember, everything Biden does builds Trump. Right. Everything. That's why he's, That's why Biden was brought up by the Jesuits. Remember, Leo J. O'Donovan is the Jesuit who prayed at his inauguration. Right. O'Donovan was the president of Georgetown. who's also on Disney's 17-member board. O'Donovan was a powerful Jesuit. And so Biden is playing the left side and the radical side for the Jesuit order to create the right. And that is exactly what was done in Germany. Create the left. That's why they put Bavaria under communism, openly Jews and communism for 19 months, which would drive the Bavarian Catholics into the arms of Hitler, because there were many Bavarian Roman Catholics that did not want Hitler.
0: So, so it stands to reason, from your point of view, you're not looking at Trump as as a, a really beneficial, uh, natural,
1: uh, orga- no.
0: organic political development, but a staged kind of pers- persona, you well, think? The-
1: It's all CIA, brother. Trump is completely in the arms of the intelligence communities. The intelligence communities run the politics of every country. We don't have free elections. We don't have the choice of who we want to run for us. We don't have those choices. It's just like the Dark Ages, because in fact we are now really back in the Pope's Dark Ages how they ran the Jesuit reductions for 150 years. They had elections and voting, but you can only elect the ones that the Jesuits put up for you to vote for. That's how they ran the reductions. They did the same thing here.
0: And you're speaking of the reductions in, in Uruguay and Paraguay. And you, you, from your point of view, you feel that they, they really were able to experiment on people and how people respond and how people are organized and to really That's develop how- develop these theories of socialism and communism at that time.
1: Uh, R, R. W. Thompson says the Jesuits are the masters of socialist communism, they're the creators of it, in his great work, Bookprints of the Jesuits, written in 1894. And so, <clears throat> they're the masters of communism. Uh, here, uh, what's his name? Uh, the, uh, the man who became the Jesuit general was the tutor of Marx when he was writing the manifesto in, the, in London. So, um. The Jesuits are the masters of communism, but they want to make it look Jewish, so they can blame the Jews for it and kill them for it, as was the case in the Third Reich. We're going to blame the Jews for what the communists did to the Russian people when the Jesuits were the ones who did it to the Russian people, because Lenin and Stalin, Lenin at least readmissed the Jesuit order after they had been expelled from Russia for over 100 years, when Alexander I had expelled them in 1820. They were readmitted in 1922. And then the Jesuits took over. They annihilated over 5,000 priests and nuns. They took over certain churches, turned them into stables. The Jesuits decimated the Orthodox Church with the Bolshevik Revolution. They're the great beneficiaries. You read about this in a book called The Decline of the Ru- Russian Empire by Edmund Walsh. Right. It talks about Greatest event, he said, it's the greatest event that took place since the fall of the Roman Empire.
0: 476. Well, I was stunned. I, I don't know if you had a chance to watch the Tucker Carlson uh, Putin interview, but I was stunned when, I, and I don't—I should have already known that. But there's only apparently 150 million people in Russia, and it just seems like such an incredibly low population rate. and It just makes me think of the wars, and it makes me think of all the things they've—they've they've gone through that would be strangling that development over time. You know, so.
1: Remember the Jesuits trained Joseph Stalin. You can read it in a book called Three Who Made a Revolution. And he tells Stalin tells what it's like to be trained by Jesuits. They're always spying and peering into your life. Stalin was the utter dictator for the Jesuit order in the killing of all those Russian people during World War II. The guy who advised Stalin, his name was Alexander Pascushev. Pascrevishev was really the man Friday, according to Svetlana, Stalin's daughter. When Stalin had to sign all the death lists, this Paskrevishev, that ran things, and he was totally controlled by the Jesuit order, just like Harry Hopkins ran things in the White House, totally controlled by the Jesuit order for the benefit of using FDR. So FDR had his Harry Hopkins, Stalin had his Alexander chef Churchill had his Anthony Eden. All these guys were the real rulers, subject to the Jesuit order.
0: I guess so I guess Woodrow Wilson had his Edward uh, Mandel House.
1: I uh, no, Ed- Woodrow Wilson had his. Uh, Tumulti. Okay. Joseph Tumulti. He was the guy that oversaw everything that Wilson did. He was the fourth degree out of Columbus. He, for 10 years, oversaw everything that that apostate, Protestant, Southern man Woodrow Wilson did. And you couldn't get near Wilson unless you went through Tumulti. And I have it in my book.
0: Well, it's interesting that you bring up the, the Knights of Columbus. Now, there were another order, a papal knighthood order that was begun in, let's see here, let me make sure I get my uh, bearings right. 18, 1832, and it was it was New Haven, Connecticut. It was the same twelve month period, I guess, the following year and the previous year before that. Uh, in eighteen thirty two, um, it was the Order of Skull and Bones was created. Yeah. So yes. it, it reminds me. So they are they? Do you figure they are just part and parcel, the, the two sides of the same coin?
1: Of course, that's why the Bush family has one son in Skull and Bones, and they have another son in the north of Columbus. Right.
0: Right, good point.
1: The knight of Columbus, W, is a Skull and Bones, the same family. And then remember the brother of, uh, the father of George W and Herbert Walker Bush was a knight of, Colum- knight of uh, Malta, Prescott. So Prescott was a knight of Malta, W was a uh, George, uh, Herbert Walker Bush was a Bonesman and a knight of Malta. So you got the Knights of Malta, the Bonesman, the Knights of Columbus, all combined in that Bush crime family.
0: They were begun, begun in 1832, so it's really just affording an and a quiet, a cold extension of the powers of the, of the uh, Holy Alliance as they're yes. getting positioned. And then right after that, the next big event is the Civil War. So That's
1: right, because they had to get the Protestants in to control them. And Yale was a Protestant university. It was one of the major Protestant universities that was founded to evangelize the Indians. So the Jesuits got control of that and then used the, the finest of those sons in their work to bring on the war between the states because it wasn't really a civil war. The South did have the right to secede. And then to on the ruins of that, due to the treason of Robert E. Lee and, and the southern Confederate leader and also the Roman Catholic General Meade and Rosecrans and others, to those acts of treason on the battlefield, they made sure that the South lost, that it would be conquered, and on the ruins of that South, they would create a new nation. It would be a national government, and that was the proclaiming of the Fourteenth Amendment as ratified on July twenty-eighth, eighteen sixty-eight. That was the whole purpose for the war, nothing more.
0: Well, regarding the ability to secede, I mean, ultimately, these particular states, as they're called, were really sovereign independent nations. Am I missing something? So ultimately they they had the right to do what they wanted and they had the right to be a part of the, the treaty alliance, uh, the grant of power in Washington, DC and that union and that, or they had the right to be, to be away from it. Now, ultimately in the end, it, it seems to me that the North didn't really win because they ultimately lost their, their sovereignty for their nations as well. They, they no longer had the ability to operate as nation states, but now they're just part of this. They're subsumed as like counties, into this larger national whole.
1: That's right. Now, because they made federal citizenship that was for whites, they made it national for whites and blacks. And in the, in the foundation of creating what I call in my book the Pope's Holy Roman 14th Amendment, Socialist Communist, Corporate Fascist American Empire. And that was the foundation of it. Later, three years later, they'll start the District of Columbia that will be the center city for it, like Rome. It will be called Rome of the Potomac. But the crowning event is March 9, 1933, when the Jesuits used FDR to impose emergency war powers military government for the National Republic created in 1868. That is critical that we understand that.
0: I mean, as we're building up in this kind of technocracy that they're building in America, with Woodrow Wilson, and as they're moving forward, they begin to build a system where people are tied by their their birth certificates and their social security numbers and their particular personal details, and they're tied to the as indentured servants to the the, the development of the national debt that they're going to bring about with the Federal Reserve system, and they're going to tie everyone individually in America who's born with these documents and who's tied to this IRS debt. They're they're going to basically create us into debt engines, if I understand this correctly, as we move forward. Well, Um, that's
1: correct. Remember, the seizure on March 9th, 1933, the commander-in-chief began to wage war on the American people. And so he seized every piece of property, every person, and every place and thing. He seized it all. The commander-in-chief has legal title to everything in this country. And the horrible thing is that everybody, all the people, have volunteered to this by being a volunteer surety for this all-caps entity, which is an enemy belligerent in the trading with the enemy act.
0: And when you say surety, you mean personal collateral. That's right. Personal
1: collateral. The the military government writes laws for all the all-caps entities. And, but the man, the woman that's tied to it, that's joined to it called joinder, they are the ones that have to pay the fine and do the time. But they only have to, they only do it when they are put under an emergency war powers military jurisdiction or due process of law. That started in nineteen thirty. That's what
0: that's what dub uh, puts down all the constitutional protections and habeas corpus and all that goes away
1: when that's you goes to that state. Because out of this emergency war power military government, they can implement martial law. They'll not do away with the military government, but out of that, they'll impose martial law. So, that's their game. That's what they want. They want martial law, this military government to morph into that, and all the courts were set with military colors. I was just in Spokane a couple of days ago, and I decided to go there and file some papers. And I went up to the ninth floor and sat in on a little hearing where they had this savage Mexican invader in there. And they're giving him a trial and, and uh, coddling him. And he had, it was a gun charge. He only, he had a Walter PPK, and uh, he was picked up for it. And But he's here illegally. So... They're going to give him a trial, but in the whole procedure, of course, it's a woman judge. America's international judgment because we're ruled by women now, for the most part. And so we had, that's according to Isaiah, when the nation's international judgment is ruled by women and children. Right. So so what we have is we have a military color in the courtroom. It's a, it's a regular American flag with on 3 sides, there's gold fringe, and it has also gold and tassels. Or sometimes it doesn't have that. But uh, that's a military color. So the question is, why is the court flying a military color in what is an Article Three civilian district court? Because we're under military jurisdiction since, since April 25, 1938, when the Supreme Court of Infamy handed down the Erie decision, which did away with, general federal common law. There is still common law under military jurisdiction, and it's judge-made, case-by-case. But the federal general common law that really was in place since uh, since 1841, with uh, Swift versus Tyson, the Erie decision reversed, and the question wasn't even before the court to show what a criminal action that New Deal FDR court pulled with its leading man who gave the opinion. His name was uh, Louis Brandeis, so they had to hand to a Jew to give the opinion. So later on, when the new right comes to power, we can blame the Jews for this military jurisdiction and all the courts.
0: Fascinating. Now I have to ask you um about Texas right now. Texas is Do you believe that there could be um, some godly good leadership there that starts to take back its right to uh, be its own political entity and not to, you know, I mean, literally it has Washington, D.C. trying to hold its arms down while the border is raped with, you know, in an unbelievable way. You can see it's the World Economic Forum. You can see it's happening all across Europe. Or I guess you can't see it. Maybe you can't see it if you're one of the regular Fox News watchers, you really just can't see anything that's going on in the world. But uh, if you pay attention, you can see that there's a a mass movement and a a political energy behind moving millions of people from one side of the world to the other. And and so I think it's the same kind of issue that we had initially when we had to deal with the wounds of the the, the sub-Saharan transatlantic slave trade in our borders here in America. But now we have the same kind of circumstance. I think a lot of the people who were Brought here long ago by by slavery are now probably pretty good Americans for the for, you know by and large, and now we're bringing in this new well, population many, of of many real of
1: are, real savages. Many of them are, but remember, seventy percent of the blacks are illegitimate. You can't build a country on bastardry. You got to be married, and then you have children, and getting the blessing of God on the institutional marriage.
0: Yeah, no, we, we we had that kind of going for us. I know that um uh, MLK Jr. wasn't you know he had a lot of different things in his background but he represented by and large a positive role model for for black americans and uh i think that they after they killed him they kind of instituted this process of bringing in crack and and into the inner cities and having red blue crips and and bloods black gangs and all that
1: after they forced integration king was a communist he went to the highlander school in tennessee He was a communist. He He was was a
0: boule. I think he was a boule, as you
1: might say. Also, according to Steve Coakley, who hated white white people, but nonetheless, he told some truth. And so, yes, he was boule. He also uh, raped many white women. He also killed a black woman when uh, she was objecting to his beating of these white women, that he was. Uh, raping so king was a murderer and a serial adulterer and that's never told because you got to build him up because he's used to justify forced integration and the jesuits are the ones behind forced integration not for the benefit of the blacks but for the destruction of the whites i went to school in the 60s when they shoved integration down our throats and we white people didn't want it and the blacks didn't want it either they were busting my, the blacks over from Parchester Village into Panola. They didn't want to go there. They want to go to Richmond High or Harry L.'s. But oh no, it was an abuse to them and it was an abuse to us. So forced race mixing, miscegenation for the purpose of mulattoizing the country. And when that happens, there is no white people that can successfully resist the Jesuit Order's international white power structure run by the Pope. Well, I
0: mean, it's a culture of criminality that's that's being popularized through Hollywood and through rap music and so on. And, and you, had, you had to understand that I had, I mean, I personally had to move my kids away from the city because, they, you know, and out into the country where they could be around other kids like them and more of a rural country atmosphere, because in, in the, in the city, they were just, they were just getting beat up on the bus or just, they're ultimately oh, going to get attacked and shot. And they were being, exactly the right, and they're being pressed gonna. into that thinking, into that music culture, into that criminal culture that's and that thought process right. too.
1: We have to remember the majority of the blacks in this country hate white people. And if they didn't, they would teach their children to just be, have to be respectful to the white children on the bus. I can't tell you how many videos I have. of These black savages who are beating the white children up on the bus. Right. So it's just, it's, it's, it's ingrained in their culture. That's why we
0: have. I think that that, that kind around. of out of control, cultural violence has been set on our schools and in, in, in our cultures. And I think that ultimately the, The social media apparatus existed to keep us from really seeing it as Americans or or understanding that it was happening, even though all that was there. I think you can see other individuals like Elon Musk come in now with Twitter X, for instance, and have kind of stopped regulating what people are seeing. And you can kind of see what's really going on more and more. And before we were blinded to it, perhaps.
1: Well, Hollywood and the news media will never tell us the truth. I don't care if it's the right or the left. They're not going to do it.
0: What about this yeah. Super Bowl shooting just recently? It's the same thing right there. They will not discuss what really happened there, who it was, or what kind First of up, cold criminal this, culture was behind it.
1: The Super Bowl is a black celebration. has been for years. Remember, 70% of all the football players are black. And so, as we have a black culture, black entertainment, we have pro-black, anti-white propaganda in all the movies. If you ever notice, when you watch a movie, the bad guy is always a white guy. Always. And the good guy is usually another black or whatever. And that's their general theme over and over and over again. So, as people watch this, they they think, yeah, these white people are just terrible. Look at this. It's a brainwash of Jesuit Hollywood.
0: It's really bizarre, Eric, because... We were noticing in some of the movies lately, which it, it's almost unwatchable, but a lot of these movies will have like a deranged killer white guy. Yeah. And then if you kind of scan along his belongings in some of the shot, he'll have like a King James Bible on his desk, you know, or something, yeah. something completely I mean, bizarre. It's the strangest thing ever. That's
1: right.
0: So I don't know if you noticed I, that.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a general theme. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a good black man versus a, her- a terrible white man. Like, hundreds of movies are like so I don't watch them. I just try to watch the documentaries that I can find interesting or helpful. But, no, they, they have, what we have here now is the culminations. We have a whole nation of majority blacks who hate white people. And they're angry. Now, what can we do to create our new right with that? I know what we'll do. We'll have all this black-on-white crime, and we'll make sure we don't arrest them. We'll make sure we don't punish them with the law, which is the purpose of government, so they can do it over and over and over again to drive the white people to desperation and ultimate rage, especially the Roman Catholics, into the new right. And when the new right comes to power, it's over for the black man in North America. And it will really be over for him when the Russians get here and the Muslims get here and the Chinese get here. So he's finished unless he repents. Well,
0: Eric, if, what, if you if you look carefully from some of the reporting going on on the border, apparently there is a whole phalanx of 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 crowding uh, foreigner uh, people coming from China who are apparently not very friendly at all, and they're of here. Course. They're pouring in, and they're pouring in under under the uh, under the wire here.
1: It's fifth, fifth column, right? Remember, really frankly. Franco won the Spanish Civil War by sending his fifth column into Barcelona, or into to Madrid before he took church of Madrid. They always have a fifth column. And so that's what they have here, fifth column Muslims, fifth column Chinese, fifth column— uh,
0: I mean, we must be really deeply into it because we just recently had this discussion that's, that's come out with—get this, it has Brett Weinstein, and it has Alex Jones discussing how— there's tens and tens of thousands of undocumented Chinese pouring over the border. And you know what I mean? So it's, yeah, we're, we're, and they're talking, I mean, Brett Weinstein's saying, look, I think it's a full-blown invasion. And this is just it. the, yeah, this is just the opening salvo.
1: Of course it, and remember the reason why Clinton, that Jesuit, gave Long Beach to the Red Chinese for leasing is to put all their weapons there. So when they finally arrive, they're already armed. They can go to where they have their weapon storage and start moving east as they start taking everything in their path
0: well we're getting close to an hour which usually are very generous in letting us talk for an hour and i just had another question a little diversion it had to do with this quick news cycle through uh, maui recently with the maui fires and i found some research that showed that there was some some ccp launched satellites in the air and, and it looked like there were the possibility of direct energy weapons was used. And, and this is news that was completely, totally doused and and, and, and not, not discussed. And it, this comes just a couple of years after Trump starts the you know, the Space Force military branch. So what, what do you think? Do you think that that was, I don't know if you heard much about the, the direct energy weapons that were used, maybe in, in Paradise, California, even previously to this, but also yeah. in Maui.
1: Oh, yes. I have no doubt there are direct energy weapons used, but it's ultimately under control of the emergency war powers military government in Washington. Because remember, the Chinese Communist government was put in power by the military government in Washington in 1949, when Francis Cardinal Spellman made sure that happened. That's why Chiang Kai-shek was blocked, he couldn't invade mainland China, and so then China would have victory with Mao, and hence 1949 is when the Jesuits put Mao in power. And everything they do in China is overseen by the Jesuit order, and then by Washington District of Catholics, District of Columbia. Same way in Russia, it's the same exact deal. So the, the heart and soul of the problem, the heart and soul of the New World Order is the Pope's District of Columbia. That's why they put the all-seeing eye oh, on the one-dollar bill in 1935. Wallace, you know, vice president, Hi, little Freemason. So, well, the solution is: is our each one of our counties needs to declare its independence from Washington, from District of Columbia, from the United States, quote unquote. Or, and we cannot secede. That's not permitted. Texas versus White, 1869. No state has the right to secede, but every state has the right to declare its independence. So the state can do it, or the county can do it, but that's the solution. And to, to and God forbid that we should be brought into the new right, because that this is going to be bloody and savage, and all the camps will be smoking to kill at least 150 million people in this country and guillotining them.
0: So you feel like it'll break down into the along these lines? Well, just a few maybe provocative events could lead us to this position where we're where the people are like basically clamoring for an answer because of
1: what they're, they're basically
0: being surrounded on all sides with the, these, these actual military threats. It's amazing. It's a military invasion on a border. That's right. That's exactly what it is. And it's just
1: because it's brought about by the military or the society of Jesus. Remember, on the borders of Arizona, they've got a big statue of the Pope welcoming all the Hispanic Roman Catholics into North America. Right. And you have the whole movement, uh, the movement, uh, the Asla movement. To take back uh, South America, South Southern part of North America, Arizona, New Mexico, California. That's the Aslan movement. They they're not coming here as immigrants, they're taking it. Portraying the white people that, that fought the uh, Mexican War as a bunch of tyrants when remember... As far as <laughs>
0: Texas, Texas uh, became a republic and it had to resist Santa Ana and basically freed the Mexican people from that tyranny, if I remember right.
1: Right. Well, Texas, you know, became a republic in 1836, about, and uh, because, but the people there didn't want it because it would be ultimately they were being persecuted by the Spanish government, that was run by the Jesuits, driving them to declare their independence. And by the way, the Declaration of Independence for the state of Texas is a great declaration because they name the priests as the culprits behind the tyranny in Mexico. But that's what they want. They want to incite this war. This is going to go to civil war, because you can only push, push white people so far. We have it in our genes. When we get to a certain place, it's over. We don't care. We are not going to put up with this, and it will be war. And the Jesuits want to bring us to that so that they can have leaders that will direct us right into the arms of treason and defeat and betrayal. Right. That,
0: that, that's crucial. It's crucial that we find a way to bring America back into a place of liberty and freedom, and the, the found I think it's a refounding of America's constitutional demo- documents, and maybe in, in lowercase caps this time. And uh, yeah, I, I think it's been wonderful to spend time with you. Uh, what have you been working on lately? Do you have any book projects going on, or what do you, what's been you know? Well,
1: I do have a book project I'm working on. It's uh, actually two of them. One's called March Ninth, 1933, when um, they when the Jesuits took over. The country with its uh, temporary emergency war powers, military government established then, and ousted civilian government. And then i also am working on another book for the true causes of all cancers, and that's Parasites and Fungus. And so when we deal with parasites and fungus, we will not have cancer. We'll clear it up. So, Interesting. Yeah, I have, I have a pamphlet on that that I'm going to put out. Real cheap, real cheap to prevent it, real cheap to reverse it. I just had a doctor friend, had a four by four inch tumor on his neck. And he went through this regime, including soaking in the bath and and, uh, making soda and sea salt as well as taking an orally. And the thing died, turned necrotic, and his body consumed, and it's gone. So there's no need to suffer under the Jesuit order's Cancer Inquisition, because they put cancer, the Cancer Inquisition in the Tropic of Cancer. The Tropic of Cancer is where all the historic white Protestant nations are.
0: (laughs) Fascinating. No, I think you you um you told me about the particular book. It was Doctor, uh, yeah, I know I, it's it's gonna just I'm gonna forget. Simic- Say it again, Simic- Ben Simic-
1: Simicini. he's Italian, uh-huh. and he wrote the book Cancer as a Fungus," and then, and then the, the the great Hulk Clark wrote a "Book Cure for All Cancers," and she said the key to cause it was the parasites. And then the real book that ties everything together is called Cancer. Pause. Secure. Cover by Ron Gadansky. He's a Canadian. He studied it for seven years, and he shows the whole course how it happens and how to reverse it.
0: And you were talking. I remember the name. That was Doctor Mendelssohn. I think you talked about another oh, yes, yeah.
1: Yeah, Robert Mendelssohn.
0: Uh, he suffered for having released that information. But they him. Yeah, they
1: killed him. In Sixty-three in good health because he was completely against vaccinations, and he showed how terrible they were. And he was such a great debater that whenever there was someone that was to come to oppose him, the chair was always empty. And so, Madison
0: had the day. Well, I, I appreciate you speaking with you again, uh, Pastor and teacher and author Eric John Phelps. Thank you again, and let's talk again very soon.
1: My pleasure, son. Lord bless and Lord bless your listeners. You
0: too, brother. Lord bless you. Okay, have a great one.